Hey guys, Anna Victoria here, and I'm so excited for you to join me on my podcast, Your Best Life. I'm the CEO and founder of the FitBody app, a fitness influencer, and a personal trainer. Every week, I'm going to have a special guest that will share their unique experience and unique story to share how they learned how to live their best life, even if they're still working on it, since we are all a work in progress. I can't wait to help you learn how to create your best life. Hey guys, Luca here. So Anna, who are we talking to today? Yes, today we're talking to Carter Good, who I have followed on social media for a few years and I followed him because his content is really amazing. Yeah, his infographics are great. Uh, you know, I've been seeing them for a while and they're really informative, straight to the point, very clear to understand, very good information who who wants to start the fitness journey. Yeah, I feel like his information makes things really easy to understand. They He breaks them down in a way that like, you know, we can talk all day about like numbers and, you know, how to see progress or different aspects of your fitness journey. But when you see it in one little graphic, that's like, oh, it, it really kind of just like drives it home. Like, okay, I get it now. So yeah, I love his content. Um, and all of his content really derives from his own personal journey of losing 145 pounds so yeah. not only does is he super informative but he has you know the experience to back it up so yeah it's very true all right guys so i can't wait for you to listen here is my conversation with carter good hi carter how are you i'm doing well how about you great thanks so much for joining us and also being flexible since we are now in the middle of the coronavirus situation. So Yeah, I know. It's been a little crazy. It. Yeah. Funny enough, it probably opened up both of our schedules a little more than normal since we're yeah. kind of stuck at home anyways. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 100%. So I'm really excited to chat. Do you want to start by just um, letting everyone know who you are and a bit about your background? For sure. Yeah. So um, my name's Carter. Um, I am an uh, online fat loss, uh, weight loss coach. Um, I post content online. Um, mostly around diet, but also working out and just general, you know, weight loss and, uh, just health in general. Right. Um, my background is, um, you know, growing up and I'm sure we'll get into it in more detail, but just like a snapshot of it is, um, struggled with weight a lot growing up, um, was able to overcome that, um, but learned a lot of things along the way. And sort of that was where my passion started. Um, and it grew from there. And so even going into college, focused a lot on uh, you know, taking nutrition classes and exercise science classes and really just kind of immersed myself in it. And since then, um, I've just used that information and, and started coaching people. And I've been doing that for about the last four years. Amazing. And yeah. I've actually followed you on Instagram for, I feel like a few years now, maybe yeah. two years. And I really appreciate your content because I feel like it's very to the point. It's no BS, but you say it with love, you know, mm -hmm. like you really... I think focus on like the mental and emotional sides, but at the same time you like give them the facts. And yeah. um, so do you create all of your content? Cause you, you yeah. for, for anyone that doesn't know, you can check his Instagram out, but they're very like infographic based. So it's very like easy to digest information, mm -hmm. but that takes a lot of time to put together. Yeah, it does. And, and whenever I first got started, um, like initially whenever my Instagram was like first growing, um, I was spending probably like five to six hours a day, like, creating them because I'm definitely obviously like I have some artistic ability but like okay. I wouldn't call myself an artist by any means like yeah, yeah. Uh, I know how to put information <laughs> together and stuff so for me it was sort of uh probably took double the time that it would take a lot of people to create it but yeah I create all the content still and wow. um do all that so amazing yeah. all right well let's dive into your journey so you struggled with um would you call yourself were you considered obese as a child Oh yeah, yeah. I was definitely classified yeah. if you were to go by yeah. like numbers, yeah. And so for me though, it was um, growing up as a kid, I was never I didn't have like childhood obesity. Um, I was always chubbier, but never at a level that was like very concerning or anything. Um, for me, it really happened in high school, um, my sophomore year, and it's really interesting because you can uh, like things happen in your life, um, like you know bad things that happen. And like at the moment you can almost feel like you're like handling it well, you're going through it and everything's fine, but you can look back and realize, holy crap, like a lot was happening. And so, um, my sophomore year, um, looking back now, it's obvious why I went from like 220 pounds to over 300 pounds in like under a year. And it was entirely because at that time in my life, my parents had separated. Um, and for it, you know, a lot of people's parents have a divorce, but, um, with my parents, it was a little bit just very like, um, out of nowhere. Uh, cause like they never fought. And so it was kind of in a small town. So it was just this whole thing. Right. And so at the time, um, you know, looking back clearly, 
I used food um, to sort of cope with that back in uh, back in the day. So, and was it just like were you binge eating? Were you eating in secret, or mm-hmm. just kind of overall increasing your eating in general? You know, um, it, and this is another thing looking back because I had a lot of time to talk about it and think about it, and I remember things. And uh, just recently, I kind of remembered that for me it wasn't necessarily secret eating or mm-hmm. like hiding it or anything. In fact, I made it almost a social thing. Um, so this is also around the time I got my license and I was like uh, probably like four to five months older than all of my classmates. So like I was the only one with a license and yeah. I used that like after school, we would all hop in Carter's car and then go to Taco Bell or do this thing. So I always made it a very social thing. And looking back, I think I just sort of, um, use that like everyone's doing this with me as like okay let's all keep doing this but um so like typically i would eat like three normal meals a day but then i'd have lunch at school and then afterwards go to taco bell with them then come home and eat dinner so it was um secret eating i guess but almost like hidden in doing it socially with other people yeah it's funny that you talk about the drive-through because when i think about my journey and like also growing up eating fast food and just Mm -hmm. like not really having like i don't want to it's weird because I definitely didn't have the education surrounding like mm-hmm. what food does to your body. It just kind of was like whew, right over my head, you know. Um, but the moment I got my license, it was like, oh, drive through, you know, and like every meal. Like I remember my breakfasts were Carl's Jr. It was like called <laughs> a sunrise croissant and they're like hash browns or something. And then um, lunch was Wiener Schnitzel. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. like, you know, dinner, Carl's Jr. I, I worked, you know, and so I would go up, go after work and. Um, yeah, the drive, I feel like the drive through, once you get your license, that's like kind of a turning point in a lot of, oh, yeah. you know, teenagers kind of eating habits. So, um, yeah. so when, when did you feel like you noticed that it started to become a problem? Was it kind of after that first year or did it take a bit more time? Yeah. So, um, and, and it's like, even looking back on it, like I was sort of, I never really struggled like socially in school, even being overweight. And so like, I guess you would term me as like a popular kid in school or whatever. But um, so it never really became an issue for me. Um, Mm. Like I and not I mean, for a while, right? Like until like the turning point, which I'll get to. But like, um, yeah, it never really stressed me out, which is like the funny thing until I always kind of wished I could lose weight. And I would always try things like I tried Weight Watchers with my mom once. I tried, you know, Atkins like with my grandpa once, I think. Uh, but it was never really serious. I never really felt this pull to make a change. I mean, because when you're young, um, you know, there's not really any, you don't really notice anything negative about it, right? I mean, you're young, you have right. tons of energy, it doesn't really mm-hmm. matter. Um, and for me, really the turning point came in the most like stereotypical 17-year-old uh, high school, like hormone situation ever. It was when I got friend zoned by this girl. I asked oh. the prom. It was like, <laughs> if you go to Urban Dictionary and like looked up friend zone, there was like a picture yeah. of Carter, like his thumbs up and stuff and so and for prom that's and that's a tough one yeah so like 17 years old um like that was like literally the most important thing in my life just like yeah like you know earth shattering in the moment and so that's kind of what initially really sparked my desire to change um was that um and you know typically most people have that thing right they have that one moment whether it's um a lot of times sometimes it's for somebody else right or or something um initially but for me um it that was there. But once I started to see results, it's funny how quickly it changed because I started to realize, you know what? I'm not really as interested in that person as I thought I was, but wait a minute. Now I'm seeing progress doing this thing. So it quickly Mm -hmm. turned from this external motivation of needing to look a certain way for this person to being, uh, very intrinsically motivated. Yeah. I think that that's a great point that you say that because like, even I say a lot of times, like you have to do this for you. You have, if you don't, it's Mm -hmm. not going to work long-term, which is true. But like a lot of times people do start their journey for someone else. And that's like what gets them started. But I will stand by that to keep it going. It has to turn into Mm -hmm. an intrinsic motivation. And, you know, a lot of people say like, oh, my my boyfriend wants me to start working out, you know, like, I mean, and that's actually what happened to me. Like my now my husband, you know, he was the one telling me like not it had nothing to do with the physical side, just like for my health, you know. Um, so I, I like that you point that out because I feel like I I don't ever want anyone to feel shamed for like, they started their journey for, you know, I don't want to say the wrong reason, the wrong, wrong, exactly the wrong reasons. Yeah. I mean, Hey, like this is, we're human beings. We care, we, we do care, you know, to a point what other people think and, you know, wanting to either fit in or look Mm -hmm. good or whatever, but 
the key to continuing it is to have that intrinsic transition. So yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. And I would even say, and, and this is like a very, you know, it's, it's why it's important. I mean, even as a coach to be able to like hear somebody talk about their goals and understand where they're at um, and understanding that like, it's a journey, right? Cause people start from different situations. It's the same thing I even do with whenever people talk about um, intuitive eating, for example, like mm-hmm. I think the concept is amazing, but I think that, you know, talking to people about it, some like there's a, a level of getting uh, in terms of like education and understanding your own heating habits and hunger signals and like even like understanding nutrition from a standpoint of understanding calories and macronutrients to where in order to eat intuitively there has to be a period where you're more focused on things um somebody i i cannot remember who i learned this from um they're gonna i'm gonna be so mad after i remember because <laughs> yeah. i want to give them credit but um they talked about how like everyone always talks about having fitness life balance but mm-hmm. that's not really a, a real thing. Like you can't really yeah. balance it. It's more about fitness life harmony. And sometimes you are being, you know, focusing more on your health and sometimes you're focusing more on your life. And it's just about finding a, you know, a harmony between those two things that works for you. But early on, a lot of times, you know, people are super, super dedicated because they want to see results. And so they're going to go all in on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think that's okay. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you yeah. approach things the right way um, and have the right education, you kind of start to lean towards doing it more for yourself. And especially once you feel the differences, you see the differences, you start to realize, okay, wow, maybe I do want to do this. Okay. I do like doing this and seeing the results of doing it for myself. Yeah. And I feel like That's a great point because as long as like, you know, fitness is, or I don't want to say fitness, but like taking care of yourself because that there's many different, you know, facets to that. But as long as it's in the top three, kind of like alternating, rotating with other things, because, you know, I get girls coming to me and they're like, I like a family member just passed away. Like, I don't feel like working out, but like, I'm worried about losing my progress. It's like right now, it's not the time to worry about progress, you know, or like in finals week or things like that. But yeah, definitely. Like, I feel like balance is like, Like, is there ever really time that you're always going to have balance? Like, not really. Like, Mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, fitness is going to be more of a priority. So I totally agree with that. Um, So in terms of how you got started to, like, uh, kind of remedy all of your your eating habits, like, where where did you first start? So I first started... um when I was losing weight on bodybuilding.com and Me I remember, too. yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I remember exactly cause my idol growing up was Steve cook. I wanted Aww. to look exactly like Steve cook. So I think I followed yeah. his like, um, big man on campus, I think okay. was like this, like it was a super popular, like YouTube, YouTube series and like a bodybuilding.com series. And I followed the nutrition plan for it. Um, which was fine. I mean, it was definitely yeah. good, but whatever I've, what I did, though, and this is what everybody does whenever they're trying to lose weight, is I thought, okay, if he's saying to eat this much of these foods, I'm going to cut for, for like the cutting plan or the weight loss plan, I'm going to cut all this in half again, right? And oh. so, and, and I'm, you know, and for a lot of people, you know, that's not very sustainable. I'm like one of those weird people where I kind of have a very addictive personality. Like if I want to do something, I can get really addicted to doing it, whether it's like playing a video game or something. And so for <laughs> me... It's probably similar to how I was very, I wouldn't say addicted, but like, you know, with gaining weight, you know, was very routine about it and, and how I did it. Weight loss, it kind of happened the same way it was I got really, really into it. I got like addicted to seeing like the progress every single week. Um, and I was really in that like restrictive mindset for a lot of my journey. And it definitely worked right early on, but it, it came crashing down very, very quickly um, later on. That's why I always, whenever I'm talking to people, even creating content, I always um, really focus try to help people like focus with the end in mind as much as possible. Um, because for a lot of people, it really is that they'll crash diet and then can't sustain it. That, that does yeah. like one of the biggest problems. I mean, almost anyone can lose X number of pounds in 12 weeks if they're yeah. going super, super hardcore. But like, the, how is that going to sustain you through the long run? Yeah. yeah. I, and it's hard though, because I feel like, and just kind of also tying back to like why people start, like, I get a lot. I'm sure you have the same, you know, you, you have clients as well. A lot of girls are like, Hey, maybe they don't explicitly say this, but like a, I can tell, or B I end up finding out later. They're like, I pretty much just want to look good in a bikini. Like I'm doing this just to look good, you know? And I feel like it's hard because as being someone that is in the fitness industry, you know, it's like, I don't want to knock that. I don't, if I turn them away, if I tell them that that's a bad reason to, to start a fitness journey, they're going to go find it from someone else that is absolutely going to prey on those insecurities, you know? So like I have to be conscious of, or, you know, people, I feel like people like us that like are really wanting to preach that long-term goal. We have to almost like allow them to like come into our 
our wheelhouse and say Mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to help you with this, but then kind of redirect them (laughs) through the journey of focusing on like that long-term goal. But that's hard, you know, especially. And I feel like with diet culture, especially today, like so many people are almost like now saying like, oh, you can never celebrate progress photos or, you know, or seeing that physical, those physical goals. And so, you know, how do you feel about like, how have you approached that with your clients? Like, do you, Mm -hmm. do you lead with them with their physical goals or is that kind of like the cherry on top or do you ignore it type thing? Yeah. Um, and and there's actually like a way I like to phrase it. Um, whenever I like start working with somebody, so like, let's say we start with like a phone call. Um, I always like for them to envision the, um, like where they want to be, not just like the, what does the, like the leaner, fitter, more mindful, more in control, uh, healthier version of you look like. And then, you know, we just kind of create a mental image of that. And then, because it's like inside and outside. And then we talk through what are some of the things that that person's doing on a daily basis? How does that person act in social situations where they're being tempted by something? How do they uh, react whenever they make a mistake? How do they, like, that's what I like to do. I like to play that game with them and then start to say, okay, well, what are like the top five things we can start doing that will start to mimic that person? How can we start to like fake it till you make it as that person? Mm -hmm. And what happens is, is when you start to mimic that person and what they're doing on a regular basis, the results almost become the side effect of the change. Um, And so I always tell people like, it's absolutely okay to be motivated, in my opinion, by weight loss, by inches going down. I think it should be a collective thing. I think that if you're going to look at one thing, you should look at all of it. Personally, that's one of my opinions. Um, you know, some people don't want to weigh in. Totally cool with that. But I think that if you're looking at pictures, I think it's important. I just think it's important to look at everything um, or at least have an idea of it um, because it points you in the right directions. But to always remember that all those numbers are just numbers. They're just tools. Yes. They're, they're tools yes. in the toolbox. And it's data. And it's, yeah, it's data. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm a very analytical person, which is probably why I think that way. So I'm like, more data more is better. Uh, that yeah. gives me more information. And when I'm working with a client, they may not lose the weight they thought they would lose that month. But when I look at inches lost, you can see changes. Or when we look at pictures, or when we look at gym performance, right? Or DEXA um, scan. I'm such, because I love numbers. I'm like, yes. everyone, if you're listening to this, I know right now may not be the time. Yeah, it may <laughs> not be possible. Coronavirus right now. Yeah. time. Yeah. But once this all blows over, look into your area, just Google your city and DEXA scan. Yeah. They're normally like 40 bucks. It just gives you so much data. Literally, your lean muscle tissue, your body fat percentage, your bone density. I just love DEXA scans because of well, like, this, the numbers side. Yeah. And like, just, yeah, it helps you really see exactly what your progress is in terms of body fat loss and muscle gain, which is yeah. super important. So, back to your journey. So, mm-hmm. You, so you lost 145 pounds. Was that mm-hmm. kind of like your first go at losing so, weight or? Yeah. So um, kind of going back to where I was, because I know that we kind of had a question about like, how did I improve a lot of like my mentality around eating and stuff too, yeah. um, which comes after. And, uh, but in that initial phase of like being super, super focused on my weight loss, like at the time, like, uh, so obviously in high school, so don't have kids, don't have a spouse, mm-hmm. don't have like mm-hmm. a girlfriend, um, don't play sports. Um, school was decently easy for me. So like, I didn't do a t- spend a ton of time after school studying. And so all I cared about was just like the fitness stuff. Right. And if I wasn't doing yeah. fitness, I was like watching fitness on YouTube or, or reading. Mm-hmm. Right. And so in that like first, I would say like seven to nine months, I probably lost close to like 90 to a hundred pounds, maybe, maybe 10 months. It, it was very, very, I lost a hundred pounds, like in under a year. It was very, very quick. And and very rapid. Yeah. I mean, every day I was like two hours on the elliptical. And that whenever I told you about that meal plan I was following, I added it up later. I was at like 15 to 1600 calories, right? So 300 pounds. So losing a lot of fat, okay. right? Yeah. Losing yeah. a lot of weight very, very quickly. Um, and was like yeah. really, really into it. Um, for me though, whenever, uh, so that was like around my senior year. And then whenever I went up to college, that's like really when things started to change because you're in college, you kind of uh, have this whole new identity, right? Like you kind of have a fresh mm-hmm. slate. But yeah. for me, I had always like associated as um, this weight loss person. It's really funny how all of these, mm-hmm. all of the changes I make with diet and exercise always start with your mentality and like your, your like social life and everything first, huh? So like yeah. all these changes start from there. Um, but going off to college, I had identified as, you know, this weight loss person in high school. Everyone knew that was me. So it was like, th- that was who I was. When I went off to college, um, you know, everything changes and now I'm getting invited to go out to, 
eat at McDonald's at like 10.30 p.m. and yeah. and then like you know, go out and do things, right? And just like be put in these social situations where I didn't have control anymore because I had created all this control for myself, uh, which allowed me to be so successful. And that's really when I started to struggle. Um, and I spent like the majority of like the first two years of college, like staying in my dorm room, like not going out, not meeting new people, literally out of fear of not being able to control what I was eating. Um, and And that after that two year mark, that's like really where I had to look at it and be like, is this really what I want? Like, I'm pretty miserable right now when everyone else right. is like in the happiest part of their life. I'm being miserable. And it's all because I'm scared to not know what I'm going to eat at this place. Um, and that's really when I started to, to make a lot of changes. Um, and I started to come across um, a lot of information on like early on in bodybuilding.com. They had forums and um, guys like Lane Norton and Alan Aragon, they, they talked about uh, like flexible dieting, right? That whole world mm -hmm. was starting to become popular. And so it just kind of coincided um, or kind of happened at the same time or whatever. And um, I started to learn more about that. And, and as I learned more about that, I started to realize a lot of what I believed about nutrition wasn't necessarily true. Yeah. Okay. And so what would you say just that you learned more about like, you don't need to restrict or that mm -hmm. maybe restricting isn't worth the amount yeah. of weight that you keep off? Like, what was that turning mm. point for you? I think for me, it was like realizing um, it was the elimination of like black and white mentality yeah. um, in terms of like, this is good. This is bad. Um, you can do this. You can't do that. Um, and, and it took a while. It took a while to convince myself of it. Um, but as soon as I started to implement more of those like flexible strategies and like see that I was okay, that was sort of the catalyst that really created more of the, uh, really improving my relationship with food. And, and really when I say that more so like improving my relationship with like myself and, and how I associate like my own identity with the food. Um, cause that was always a very big thing for me was I almost put myself on a pedestal whenever I would eat a certain way and see other people's not eating that way. And I would say, oh, well, I'm better than you. Right. So there I was mean, a morale, there was a moral connection. Oh yeah. There was food. my, yeah. like, there was like the moral and like eating, it was like very much uh, connected for me. And so, and, but yeah. that's a really huge struggle that a lot of people have. Yeah. So I'm going to be completely honest. Like I've never had that, like mm -hmm. kind of similar with like macros and it just data to me, like food, like it's. I don't know why, like, I just have never had that. So like, I, I feel like from personal experience, I can't speak to what people should do to overcome that. Mm -hmm. So since you did go through that, how did you learn to disassociate yeah. morality with food? So for me, it was, um, two big things. The first was awareness. Um, and I'm really, I always talk about, um, awareness of, um, just like understanding how your brain is working. So like for me realizing that, okay, I've been, I put myself in this negative pattern where whenever I do this, I think about people this way and, and having to be honest with myself and say, okay, why are you doing that? Um, but then the second thing I think is really important is self-control um, and realizing that all the decisions I was, all of the decisions I was making were under my control. Um, and even the language that I use. So earlier, like you said, restriction. Um, I started to instead use the word restraint there. And I would say, yeah. okay, if I'm choosing to not eat something, I'm not restricting it, I'm restraining it. Um, and in the same way of like, if I chose to um, eat something that was off plan, I would tell myself, hey, I'm making this choice right now. And I'm making it because I want to have fun in this moment. And I know that this doesn't make me a bad person. This doesn't like yeah. make me not committed to my goals, because it's not what I'm doing most of the time, right? Um, there's a lot of things like that. It always came down to a lot of internal work of like forgiveness. It's okay to do this. Um, mm -hmm. it's okay to eat these foods, you know? So two, yeah, I love that you point that out. So one thing that like I've done to try to like also help like girls that are in my community and, and mm -hmm. using my app, um, to kind of combat that is instead of saying like, uh, your daily calories, we say your daily fuel, you yeah. know, like, cause we really want to like drive home that like you, like a, yes, like if you want to see physical results, you have to be in a caloric deficit, you know, but like when girls calculate their macros, a lot of times they freak out because they're like, whoa, this mm -hmm. is a lot because they're used to like a very standard 1200 calories to lose mm -hmm. weight, which is so low, so yeah. wrong for the large majority yeah. of people. And so when they calculate their macros and they see it says like 16 or 1800, they kind of get scared. And so I feel like there's a really big kind of mental hurdle like mm -hmm. to overcome, you know, like looking at calories as fuel. Yeah. The other thing that I want, I want to go back to, which I feel like it, it's not totally fair for me to be just be like, oh, I've never had trouble with food. 
I don't want to say that I've never had trouble. I think it's just the way that I deal with it, which you just touched on is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I think that I've always just like innately been very like, go, I go easy on myself because like, of course, no one has a perfect life, you know, like Mm -hmm. everyone struggles. Like I've had a lot of like family struggles, like when I was a lot younger and literally my coping mechanism was forgiveness. It was literally just to be like, it's okay that this happened to you or it's okay that this is going on. Like that doesn't mean you're a bad person. Like you can overcome this. And I feel like that's actually been my, I've carried that over into my, my fitness journey. Yeah. And like, cause of course, like I, my husband is from Rome, Italy. We go to Italy, you know, a few times a year, we'll go eat pasta for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it's like, you know, I've always been very good at just being like, you should enjoy life, you know, like, uh, like, I absolutely have moments where I feel like, oh, I ate way too much, you know, like, dang it, you know, like I, I ate to the point where it hurts. I shouldn't have done that. But I think that the forgiveness aspect is always so important. And Mm -hmm. I I often find that the guilt of whatever the act was is way more harmful than the act itself. I couldn't, you know, like, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you mentioned that you had, um, kind of after you lost all that weight, you were still unhappy. Mm -hmm. So what did you do to allow yourself to a kind of live your life and gain a bit more weight? And did that end up making you happy or what, what was that situation like? Yeah. So, um, well, it was actually, this will piggyback perfectly off of what we just talked about with forgiveness, because I think that forgiveness is what I wanted, but it wouldn't have happened without trust. And so I started to like, really like look at what I was doing. And I was saying, do I really like, I've been doing this for so long. Like I know what to do. And this is important to me. Why don't I trust myself to like, know that if I do go out and do these things, like I can still control like my urges and I can still, I know that I'm going to come back to, I'm still gonna be working out. I'm still gonna be making good choices most of the time. Um, and that honestly was the beginning of what really allowed me to, um, get over that whole like unhappiness side of things. I'm not feeling like I can do things. Um, it was that trust and it was realizing like, Hey, like I know that most of the time I'm making these solid choices. That was another thing was, um, and this is like the, the term that I make all my clients like memorizing their head is like consistency over perfection, like recognizing that, like, am I okay with like, you know, having slightly more body fat than I, Mm -hmm. than like that bodybuilding.com shredded athlete. Who's like very, you know, on point with the nutrition perfectly. Am I okay with like having more body fat and like knowing that I'm still healthy and like, can enjoy my life. I was right. And it was like embracing that and being okay with it. Um, and, and recognizing, Hey, if I wanted to be super, super lean and perfect, like this is what it would require. Do I, do I want that? Do I want to like balancing that? Right. Trade-offs. Trade-offs. Right. And if it is, if that's what you want and you truly want that and there are people that do it, do it, be that person. Right. But if not, don't beat your, don't try to, you're trying to be two things that you can't be right. It's like, you're trying to go hundred percent in both areas. And that's only going to make you feel like a failure because you can't, you have to have some sort of harmony, like we talked about earlier between these things. Yeah. And so for me, it was really accepting, hey, you know what, I'm okay with like, not being absolutely, you know, 10% and below shredded, uh, you know, because I'm happy with how I look. And in the grand scheme of things, like the fact that I take care of myself, I'm already, you know, people look at me, no one looks at me and says, oh, wow, look how like overweight you are, right? Like, that is, <laughs> it's all in my head. I'm the one who thinks I'm the heavier person. And so uh, that's really what made a good change for me was that trade off and realizing, you know what, I'm actually happier here and being able to have that flexibility than you know the other way so yeah i it reminds me of that quote and i hope i don't butcher it but it's like uh what was it i don't miss out on 95 percent of your life just to mm-hmm. weigh five percent less yeah and i love that because it it is so true like to weigh five percent less or to get you know as, as mm. you get go through your journey your body adapts you know when you lose an amount of weight the remaining weight gets even harder and harder to lose, you yeah. know, and to, to lose that additional weight, you have to get strict and down and dirty with yeah. your macros and everything. And so I love macros. I mm-hmm. love numbers. Like I always say, like I will crunch numbers for like anyone's macros all mm-hmm. day long, but for some people it is triggering mm-hmm. and they associate kind of the numbers with morality mm-hmm. and eating less equals doing better type thing. But, um, you know, that's kind of like where intuitive eating comes into play a little bit, Um, you know, but at the same time, like if you want physical results, 
kind of like at some point you have you have to get into the numbers. So how it, is this just kind of another example of that trade off of like if numbers are triggering for you, you have to trade off the fact that you may not see those physical results because you're not getting down and dirty into the numbers. Or have you found a solution for your clients that can kind of give them the best of both worlds? Yeah. Um, so I feel like I felt a pretty good way of doing this. Um, and so it, it starts with tracking. So I almost like to think of it as like a three-step process of people start with, um, I, I love for, I would say 95, 97% of the people I work with, I like to start them with tracking of some form. Um, and it's not to set limits on themselves. It's more to create awareness, right? I just yes. think that what you learn is so important, it, especially if we didn't live in today's food society, it wouldn't matter as much. But the reality is everything's working against you. Like the world is telling you to eat more and move less, right? And it's so easy. You don't have to. So you have to be able to be aware if you want to operate in your day-to-day -day life and not be one of those crazy people who says, oh, I don't need that restaurant because it has carbs or I don't need to do this because of that, right? If you want to have that flexibility, you have to have the awareness. Um, and one way that I've started at, at that stage, um, the other stages are I go to mindful eating and then intuitive eating, but going with tracking, because whenever I'm with somebody who has physical goals they're trying to achieve, um, I, I always want to start there. Something I've seen to work really, really well, because generally I'm working with general population, right? Um, like people who aren't trying to get shredded for a show or, or trying to like lift the most amount of weight in the gym, right? I mean, a lot of my clients work out from home. And so the kind of tracking I've been doing is focusing less on macronutrients, like I need to eat this many carbs, this many fats, this many protein, and instead um, focusing on setting calorie ranges and the general protein minimum target. I find that works super, super well. So if I got somebody in, you know, based on the math, they should eat, you know, 2000 calories uh, and whatever the macronutrients would break out into, um, I would say, hey, so here's our goal. I want you to eat no less than like 18 1,850 calories and try not to go above 2,100 or 2,150 calories, right? Setting this range to where anything in that is good. So if you hit, and I think that helps a lot with the people who get stressed out by numbers because typically those are perfectionists and they yes. think that if they don't hit the number, then they failed. Whereas within that, it's like you actually have this huge range. So some days maybe you're a little hungrier. That's okay. Maybe not. Um, and the same thing with the protein minimum goal I like is where I'll say, hey, as long as you can, if you can hit, you know, like 120 grams of protein or 100 grams, it just depends on the person, right? Hit that as your minimum. Try not to go below that. You can eat more. That's totally fine. Uh, just, you know, whatever you feel best doing. And then with carbs and fats, I just say, just try not to go too low in either one, right? I don't really right. focus on it as much. I just, because I want people to be able to eat whatever they want and have that flexibility and not stress, oh, I got to eat. Because I don't think it's very intuitive to be at night and be like, well, I got 60 carbs and two grams of fat and 20 grams of protein. So I guess I'm going to eat seven rice cakes and half a protein shake. You know, that's where I think that's where it becomes a game, game of Some people like it. I mean, personally, I was really good at it. I was, I was great at it. It was like a video game. But I think that when you think about most general people who don't really, who are, you're just trying to get them to stay motivated to want to do this, Yeah. that the more flexibility you can create, the better. Yeah. So how about what do you feel for people that are starting out? And they look at people that like, whether it's you and me or just anyone else in, in, in our communities are, are killing it. And they mm -hmm. look at them and they're like, well, it's easy for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't do that. Or, well, their life is perfect. Mine isn't. I'm never going to get to do that. How do you handle those situations? Yeah. And that's honestly probably one of the toughest ones. And that's probably yeah. one of the questions that like you can only answer when you're speaking to that individual because yeah. um, it really matters about their situation. My biggest thing is has always been. Um, there's that saying of like, no one got, you know, fit from eating one salad and no one got, you know, fat from eating one pizza or whatever. Right. right. Um, I always tell people like, I want you to like go back 10 years, right. I want you to think about what have you been doing the last 10 years? I'm going to tell you what I've done the last 10 years. And I explain, you know, both the good and the bad, but here's the thing in the last 10 years, like I have made my, like, I've been starting with fitness, right. Like fitness has been a priority in my life ever since then. And it didn't just happen overnight. Right. And so first off, like don't try to push yourself in this situation where you need to be where I am in one-tenth of the time it took me to get here. And, and, and part of it, I say, is it doesn't have to take that long. You know, one of my goals with creating content and working with people is this sort of, I call it like, I try to do, I try to be the TSA pre-check of like getting to your fitness goals. Um, <laughs> like that. you still, you still got to go through the process. You still got to go through security, but try to get you there faster and, and without, you know, all the hiccups and stuff. But right. um, I just tell people, you know, this is going to be something you're doing forever. And don't let that scare you. Let it empower you. Because if you choose to do it and you don't quit, you're only going to be moving forward. 
And, you know, right. there would be times when you're more on it and less on it, but you're going to get there. You're going to, it's going to happen, right? You just have to be willing to, you know, do it, right? And stay consistent. And, and that's where I, you know, one of my biggest things with people is if I can get them to be okay with the fact that, hey, this might take time, then I start to say, okay, let's start what that, that goes back to what I was saying of like envisioning that person. Like what's the smallest things that we can do right now that will, that you can, you know, you can do like, what's the easiest thing you can do. And then we build upon it that way. Um, but yeah, but that is, that's always hard because comparison is such a, a hard thing, but it really has to start within and the conversation that that person's having with themselves and, and realizing that they can do whatever they, they can do it too. It's just going to take just as long as that person took, you know, because yeah. they didn't have I think that there's a few really great points that you made. Um, one is setting expectations properly. Yeah. You know, like, unfortunately, we live in a world where the fitness industry is a multi-billion dollar industry because they tell people that they can lose 20 pounds in four weeks with this pill, which is complete BS. I feel like I, I hope I don't have to say that for those listening. But, you know, like setting those expectations that, hey, like for, for me personally, like when people ask me when I first started my journey, how long did I, it take for me to see results? I mean, I feel like oh, that, that's such a like how to quantify that because I wasn't after aesthetics or like losing a certain amount of weight. But I felt like when I started to when I felt like I had, yes, seen some physical progress, but where I felt confident in that this had become a lifestyle, it took me nine months. Yeah. You know, like that's that's in a lot of people when they hear that, they're like, what? I can't wait that long. But it's like you said, this is a lifestyle, you know, yeah. and you can't let that scare you. Well, it's either it's either nine months or it's they can try to get some results in three months and then fall off track. And then that happens exactly. for the next three to five years. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So setting expectations is so important, just like to be realistic with your goals. So um, and then I will say that in terms of someone that thinks that they can't see results, how I personally always felt about it. And like even more so as like I studied to become a certified personal trainer and like all these other, you know, certifications is that like, if you're human, you can see results. Like yeah. literally there's like very, very, very few. Absolutely. There are some conditions and certain things that can make it more difficult, but there's there, I have yet to come across something that it's like you are physically or you are like scientifically incapable of seeing results. I think that yeah. not to get too like tough love and harsh on people, but I think that a lot of people like to tell themselves that they can't see results because it's kind of a cop out. Yeah. It becomes like, well, I don't, you know, or it's that they've been listening to the wrong advice for so long. They've been really, you know, getting taken advantage of, which is almost not their fault to a point of all the quick fixes and empty promises. And they try it and they fail and then they blame themselves and think it's, think it's their fault when it's not. Mm -hmm. um, no, yeah. I completely agree. And you said earlier about like the um, expectations thing. I think it's less about people can't see results. It's that they have like expectations that aren't really true to where they're at right now. Um, yeah. And that, that also goes into it. It's why, I mean, you can probably attest to this just with your own clients and doing this. Like fitness is like, like, like losing weight and achieving anything like health related is like 5% doing whatever it is and like 95% how you're thinking about it and your expectation yes. of it. Um, cause even in that situation, like, yeah, there's the situations where maybe you've been told to do this and you've been doing it the wrong way or just like whatever. But then there's also the level of, you know, if you have been trying to do something, you're not seeing results. Have you taken the time to like do a little self audit? And it's not about, you know, bringing yourself down. It's not about getting mad at yourself. I mean, everyone does this. I mean, everyone has, it doesn't have to be with food. It could also be, I mean, I've had to self audit myself, like in relationships with people, like realizing like, I'm not like bringing as much to the table that you are. Right. Um, and, and all of that. And so it's, we do this in all of our areas. I mean, even like in school, right? Well, I got a bad test. Well, why did I get a bad or why did I get a bad grade mm -hmm. on that test? Well, I didn't study well. I didn't do what I thought I did. I didn't do what I was supposed to do. So like with, but we, there's just a lot of emotion attached to what we yeah. eat and that, that it makes it a lot harder, but it's a very similar process because it's always on you, right? It, it's always your responsibility. You're the one taking these actions. And that's why I always operate from a, a level of a healthy balance of, of self-honesty and self-forgiveness because yeah. if you can be honest about what you're trying to do and what you do well, what you don't do well, then you put yourself in a position to actually get better. Right. Yeah. I really love that because I also have people that will be on their journey for a year and they're like, Hey, I'm still kind of in the same spot. And it's like, well, I'll ask them like, well, are you doing this and this? And they're like, no, no. Like, I think a lot of people really, they like their comfort zones and I get it. I do too. You know, we all do. 
but you have to get real with yourself and you have to get harsh with your, I, I personally love tough love, you know, and Mm -hmm. I actually feel like, but at the same time, I, I don't ever want to make someone feel bad about their choices. And so it's kind of hard to reconcile that. Go ahead. Well, well, I was going to say it's tough love. Sometimes, I mean, kind of the last question sometimes for people is, is this the right time? Because like, the worst thing you can do is to constantly put yourself in a situation where you aren't willing to put the effort in needed, but you give yourself all of like the, the shame and guilt of not accomplishing it. Right. And so I've had people and I've even, I've actually, I have a client where when we were first working together, um, it was not good. Like for, a, and she was going through a lot in her life and I straight up said, listen, like, is this the right time to be focusing on this? Cause I want you to know it's okay. If it's not, you know, this is important. But like, if today is not the right time to do this, it, you know, be honest with yourself about that. And she was, and, um, we, we kind of like separated at that point, but like we kept up with each other and I was like, you know, giving her advice and stuff. And then she actually came back to be a client and got incredible results. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it took, well, cause it took that being okay with saying, you know what, like I'm doing all these other things in my life. And like, I'm just gonna be honest, I can't prioritize this right now. And it took making it serious enough for her to make a change to actually do it because she realized she was only doing it because she had, she was getting side comments. She thought that she needed to do it. And so she would do it. She didn't really want it for herself enough. But then when she came back, she did. And it was the right time. And voila, like she actually wanted to put in the effort to get the results. Yeah. I love that you point that out because we all, we often hear on social media, like no excuses, you know, mm-hmm. like just do it at all, at all costs. And like, okay, I do think that there is a time and a place for, sure. for no excuses, you know, but like personally, prior to me starting my fitness journey, there wasn't anything you could tell me to convince mm-hmm. me to work out. I'd have been like, ha, huh, get out of my yeah. face. Like, this is not yeah. like I, whatever, you know? And like, it really took me getting to a point in my life where I was like, okay, fine. It's time. I'm it's ready. I literally have no more excuses now, you know, cause yeah. I was always like work and school and I'm too busy, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So I think it is great to point out that we're not always going to be in the right Mm -hmm. mental space, you know, physical space, maybe financial, whatever it is. Um, And to not guilt people for that, you know, to allow them that grace. Um, But when it gets too far, when there, there is a point where it's like, okay, like, you know, deep down that like you can start, you know, getting back into it and it doesn't have to be a cold Turkey thing. Um, It can be step by step. Do you, and I'm actually curious how you feel about that. Cause I, I don't want to say I did things cold Turkey. I think that my intentions were cold Turkey, but I still mm-hmm. needed to learn like the steps to like how mm-hmm. to work out and how to eat healthy. And like, I definitely messed up, but my intentions were always there. Do you feel like you guide people or that you, for your personal journey, that it was cold Turkey or is it more of a step-by-step thing? For me, it was definitely cold Turkey. Um, and I think that has to do with like the addictive personality where I just kind of go all in on things. If I'm doing this, I'm going all in on that. Right. Um, and so, and I think it's also a personal person thing though, because I've worked with people who, for example, like if if somebody struggles with like, like food cravings at night, I have some people who, you know what, right now, and this is, and I always phrase it as we are not putting a life sentence on this decision, right? This is like something, this is not forever. This is just right now. Um, maybe we don't have those things in the house right now and it has nothing to do with you not being able to have those things ever again because it's bad it's more so because we're training ourselves right and it's and we're gonna like you know bring them back so some people that works well some people they do better with if they can actually as soon as i tell them wait a minute you can have like a couple oreos and you're fine that's it and they're and they're solved right so i think it's a person to person thing um but i'm very much that way where i'm very much um it's funny because in certain areas of my life i'm very much like a researcher before i even do something um in some areas i'm the opposite where i'm very like kind of ready shoot aim or whatever, or ready fire aim or whatever the saying is, where I just do it. And then I kind of reassess and, and and kind of, you know, get more for me, at least that it was that way where I was very cold Turkey. And then I kind of had to find that moderation again and mindfulness again. Um, yeah, I think everyone's a little bit different in that. And, um, I think most people typically know though, I think what kind of person they are, um, when they come to me. And so that, that really, that really helps with kind of addressing it. So or at least say try it one way. And I think it's important to know that if that way didn't work for you, that's yes. okay. Yeah, you know, exactly. try a different way. Yeah. Where are you at now with your journey? So you've had all this mm-hmm. success, like not only personally, but professionally. Do you feel like you still struggle at all? Or like what what does your routine look like now? 
Yeah. So for me, and it's funny because this has like been something kind of within the last two years um, in terms of like, I, I definitely don't struggle with like, um, like my mindset with food or um, like, like being able to maintain a healthy body or like anything like that. Um, but for me, I, I, it's so funny. It's like, just like whenever I gained weight, I didn't realize it in the moment until later. And this is the same way looking back. I had this um, not a great fear, but pretty like noticeable fear of like gaining weight to where I was like sabotaging myself from actually even like building muscle. Right. And so I've never had a goal of like being, a I can builder. relate to that. I yeah. So, yeah. so again, and this is a lot of females have yeah. the, this problem too, mm-hmm. uh, where like they're afraid to eat more. Um, yeah. and I think actually any, I think anyone, both men and women who lose a lot of weight have the, this is a kind of a fear in the back of their head yeah. that happens. And so for me, you know, just wanting to build more muscle, just like, Hey, I, I want to do this thing, um, because I love going to the gym and I like getting stronger. So like, I want to build more muscle. Um, and I was sabotaging myself over and over cause I would like gain five to 10 pounds on the scale. And then like mentally like pull back a little bit. And so I was great at maintaining, but never really gave myself the opportunity to like build muscle. And so that's something that's changed recently. It's funny. Um, whenever I started dating my girlfriend, Kaylin, uh, she was like the first one to, for some reason, she literally said like, you know, it's okay to like gain some weight and do this. And it was so weird how like, whenever she said that, I didn't even realize I was putting that restriction on me. But when she said it, I was like, okay. And then like, so now I've been able to like, actually like hired my own coach even uh, to like help yeah. just to do just because, you know, I think even coaches need coaches. One and million so, percent. Yeah. So um, that's been like, for me, kind of the one of the biggest things I've been able to overcome recently. Um, so that's kind of been my goal is just, uh, I'm, I'm still the very much lifestyle. Like I'm never gonna, like, I'm not gonna miss going to a concert to get my workout in. Right. I mean, I know right. that Great. 85 to 90% of the time, I know what I'm doing. I know I'm going to stay consistent. Yeah. I, I, I love that you point that out about kind of putting that restriction on you of like going into maintaining or even, you know, like a bulking essentially. Yeah. And like, I've never said this. So I feel like this is probably the one thing that like, I've struggled with the most and mm-hmm. it absolutely ties to like having a platform on Insta, you know, and like um, people looking to me is being afraid to like bulk and like, I don't want to say put on weight because it's funny through my infertility journey. I don't know mm-hmm. if you've you know, seen anything about that, but you know, for two years we were trying to conceive and my doctors told me you need to start eating more. Not because I thought that, not because I knew that was a problem. It was just like, why not? Let's try this, you know? And it's so funny because I was, I had no problem gaining weight for that. But I feel like doing it intentionally for my fitness journey was like, oh, you know, like, I don't know. Um, So, yeah, so that's definitely I've never admitted that. So I will share that I've always kind of been in a deficit, you know, because I've I've, maybe more recently in maintenance. Now I am pregnant. So definitely in maintenance. But, you know, well, I think it and I think it speaks to that there's not a single perfect person. Right. I mean, there's definitely stages of a journey, but like, and that goes back to what you said earlier, where all of us have to a degree, some desire to um, have an image of some sort for other people, right? Whether it's physical, whether it's people wanting other people to think that we're smarter. And I think that that's such a human thing that like, it's people guilt themselves into feeling like, oh, they feel so guilty because they want to look better. It's like, there's, this is so multifactorial. This is not just because you want to look better for that person. It's like, it's also a representation of the actions you're taking. There's a lot that goes into it. And so it kind of goes back to like, if you can like just be honest with yourself, it puts you in a position to really assess like those motivations and, and make improvements there and really decide what does really matter t- to me, right? Because um, mm-hmm. something's there. So I think that this forgiveness thing, okay, you got yeah. caught into the biology of being a human being. That's okay. <laughs> right. It's all right. All right? right. Welcome welcome to like everyone else in the world who thinks that way. Um, but that awareness though really does help though kind of, you know, decide okay like where am I maybe a little bit too obsessive or where is it kind of causing problems in my life and so yeah absolutely so since we are in this coronavirus kind of quarantine (laughs) situation what is your advice for people that are stuck at home that are trying to stay on track do you think right Mm -hmm. now is a time to focus on physical results or how, how are you approaching that I, well, so I think first it, it totally depends on that person's situation, right? Because like I'm lucky enough to um, like live in an apartment, and I, you know, obviously everyone takes a hit right now. But like yeah. I'm fortunate enough that where the way I do my occupation, I still have clients, right? Um, and like no one I know I'm associated with has the illness, right? And there are probably some people who are being more directly affected. And so the way that I've been approaching it is, if you're somebody who like you literally are like just trying to make it day by day right now, like it's okay. I mean, I, it's hard because if it's somebody who has no healthy habits, like I wish 
I could say, hey, if you eat better, it's going to really help. And you're going to, if you just exercise, I know it takes some time, but you're just going to be able to operate better mentally. But, you know, their mind is not there yet. Uh, if it is somebody who has taken care of themselves a little bit, I think that to, to really focus on now is not the time necessarily to make progress, but this is like, this is the perfect time to really bank on why you take care of your body in the first place. Right. And, and right now it's okay. You don't have to be losing weight right now. You don't have to be, you know, it's, mm-hmm. you don't have to be perfect right now, but you know, remembering that you operate better, like you even like, even I have clients, right. Who, who are struggling right now. Um, and, uh, one specifically, like she's really stressed because like, like she doesn't have a job right now. And, and it's like very, she's just struggling. Right. And like her, she took care of her grandparents and they're like in like a, a nursing home. Right. And so it's just like a very like, like stressful situation. And I told her like, okay, but remember we first started working together, like one of the biggest date changes you noticed was how much more energy, how, how better you felt when you like got enough sleep and did these things. And so I said, I'm not expecting you to operate at the level you were before this, but I just want you to remember that like as much as you can take care of yourself. And, and maybe that doesn't mean getting your perfect workout in and hitting your macros perfectly. Maybe that's more focusing on walking for 30 to 45 minutes a day, um, trying to get eight, you know, seven to nine hours of sleep every night. I tell people eight to nine if you can right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, just like eating some fruits and vegetables, right? And if you don't want to track right now, that's totally fine. But like, keep a routine, like eat, how many meals did you normally eat before that? Do that, right? Try to do that as much as possible because it's going to help you, you know, operate better in this moment. Um, and then first, I have some people who I'm working with who like are, are you know, fortunate enough to where they're still able to um, you know, go to work and stuff. Maybe they're working from home. Um, I think for some people, this is um, an opportunity to their biggest problem is socializing and going out. And so it's for some people, they have more time to focus on themselves. So I guess it really does depend on your situation, I guess. But right. um, I'm definitely a believer of no matter what, no matter who you are, I think right now it's a very, very important to do whatever you can to take care of yourself. Um, yeah. just like a, just from sleeping more, just like moving more and just trying not to get stuck in the, you know, staying home, not moving and just like worrying all the time on Twitter right. or something. So well, one, and I think that's such a great point. Cause right now it is a scary time. Yeah. <laughs> like, and no, it's like, uncertain. Like, yeah. It, it's unprecedented. Well, at least in modern history, you know, oh, yeah. and what I found personally is my workouts have literally been my saving grace mentally and emotionally. Like the difference that I feel of like after like working out, like not only just because I'm physically moving my body, but like yeah. the mental release that comes with it. I, I personally, I feel like right now shouldn't be about losing weight, not about cutting. I'm proud of not just like the fitness industry with professionals, but like so many people that are starting to work out that I feel like mm-hmm. this almost has like forced people to realize how great home workouts can be. And like, oh, yeah, okay, for sure. sure, there's a question of like, in terms of hypertrophy and muscle gain. Okay. That's a separate conversation. But in terms of you have the ability to move your body at home with nothing, and that is worth something. So. That's because that's where a lot of people are. A lot of people who just got they got their you know they're they're going to Planet Fitness, they just got their membership, and they're super motivated, and now they're can't go there, and now like they're that's their excuse and saying, well, now I can't go there. I guess I'm done. It's not my fault, right? But right. you can do a lot from home, and remembering that this is like ninety five percent of the people who are consuming anything online also are people who would be completely happy. If like with a body they could build from home, you know, right. it's, it's, Absolutely. it's, you know, and like my average client is like a 30 to 60 year old, like female and a lot of them are parents. Right. And so yeah. like a lot of them working out from home is like really the, being able to work out from home, being okay with that has like made them even more consistent than if I would have told them you have to go to the gym at this time. Right. Um, right. And a lot of them have started at home and then wanted to go to the gym. Right. And so, yeah, I, I agree though. It's yeah. like right now more than ever, it's like, who cares about like, if it's optimal based on the latest research study that's been peer reviewed, who gives a crap, right? It's about taking care of yourself, moving your body and just staying like positive. Right. Right. Um, and I think that when you exercise, like how you feel after doing a workout, super positive. Right. I think anything you right. can do to move in a positive direction right now is going to be a win. So. Yeah. Um, so the name of the podcast is your best life. And you know, the whole point of it is not to say that this is how to live a best life because that doesn't exist. The point is that, we all have different experiences and different perspectives on what is a best life and what has allowed each person to live their own best life. So what do you feel if you were to pick one thing has allowed you to live your best life? Hmm. I think this is a big question and I hope this isn't too deep, but I think for me, it's been, I've always been a big people pleaser in my life. Hmm. Um, and I put a lot of value into how other people's perceive me. And I read a quote, I actually literally just posted this on my Instagram story today. Um, so I'm going to try to remember it, but it basically said, um, 
taking things personally is the biggest uh, sign of, um, oh, what's the word? Selfishness that there is because you assume that everything's about you. Whenever I realized that, it made me realize, wow, I needed all these other people to validate me because I cared so much about it. So for me, it was really realizing that as soon as I realized like everyone's kind of living their own life and when people make decisions, it's not to hurt you, but it's more so to, for themselves. Right. And, and they may not even be malicious about it, um, in different ways. That was always, that was like something that allowed me to really be okay with like doing what I want to do and not worrying as much about what other people think. Um, and, and doing that has like allowed me to surround myself with people who I really jive with, who make me want to be better too. And so I think it's really about recognizing that everybody is in their own head and, (laughs) <laughs> and because of that, you know, you should just do the things that are going to, you know, do the things that you want to do and worry less about what other people are doing. Um, and by doing that, you're going to attract people who like to do the things that you do as well. So, right. Amazing. I love it. That is actually a really great quote. And I yeah. feel like something that is very freeing if you can internalize yeah. that and put that into action. So, yeah. um, amazing, Carter. This was so informative and inspirational. Um, can you share with everyone where they can find you? Yeah. So, um, on most social media platforms, it's just Carter good right now. I'm the most active on Instagram, but, um, like I showed you right when we got started, I got this new fancy mic. And so I'm planning on, I'm actually gonna be launching a podcast, um, within the next, uh, hopefully the next like week or two. Um, we're going to start like recording a bunch of episodes, um, so that'll be out there. But if you search Carter Good on basically on Facebook, on, on Twitter, I'm active, YouTube, I'm active, but Instagram, you'll, you'll find my account. So amazing. All right, guys. So be on the lookout on his Insta in the next few weeks for his podcast. Yes. Yeah. And Hold me accountable. Yeah. No, it's <laughs> yes, it. yeah. right. It's, 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 yeah, it's yeah. on the record. Um, yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Carter. Um, I hope you are staying safe and healthy in mm-hmm. this moment. And we'll talk more soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right, guys. So that was my conversation with Carter Good. And I really thought it was interesting how he pointed out. And it's something that I've, I've seen a common theme with not only in only fitness professionals that I've talked to, but just with, you know, general societies that a lot of times when you get put on this trajectory of gaining weight, it ties back to something in your childhood or in your yeah. teen years. Yeah. And for him, it was his parents divorcing. And that's when he I, started having problems with weight and struggling with weight gain right and it's almost like to a point that's unavoidable like things things happening in your life like that are unavoidable you know but you know and I I try to think like how but how can we help people in those circumstances I think education is is, you know the first and and awareness you know is a second but how what he pointed out is like you kind of don't even realize it in the moment no you don't You, you just start start using food as a coping mechanism and that's right. the beginning. And then eventually when you start, you know, your fitness journey and you can actually start uh, working on yourself and, you know, yeah. prioritizing your health, it's where you have the, the other turning point where, okay, I'm doing this for X amount of reasons and I'm doing this for the long term. And that actually is, and then when, it's when you are able to keep it going. Yeah. And recognize kind of what got you there. Cause we can't, like there's no good in saying like, hey, people try to avoid this from happening. Like, no, like that's right. not that's not that's not realistic. That's not gonna that's not life. And that's you right. know, no one should feel shamed for how they coped, you know. For sure. And then another great thing that he said is consistency over perfection. And I think yeah. that's a great advice to make sure your journey is sustainable over time, right? Consistency is way more important than being perfect 100% of the time with your macros, with your workouts. And that's also what you say all the time. Yeah. I mean, well, because I like when I started my journey, it was to be healthier, to like overcome the health problems I was having. And I knew that that was going to be a longer journey um, of really changing my habits. It wasn't about, oh, I just want to drop 10 pounds, which even though, even if your goal is to drop 10 pounds, that's still something that you need to be realistic about what timeline you can achieve that in and kind of, you know, ignore the false promises that, you know, the fitness industry, you know, puts out and, and realize that, you know, it might take longer than a, you expect, and it might take longer than what it did from some, from someone else. I love how he pointed out that, no, you can't, I I think of the quote, I feel like I am a walking book of Instagram quotes (laughs) in my head, but you know, don't compare your, 
chapter one to someone else's chapter 20. For you know, sure. like you can't. So it's almost learning to not be perfect. Right. You know, yeah, is like one of the, it, yeah. the, the biggest struggles. And that is it for this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to share with a friend, spread the word and help us grow our tribe. Please rate and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes each week. You can also follow us on Instagram and join our Facebook group, both under the same name, Your Best Life Podcast, to keep the conversation going. You can also send me an email at yourbestlifepodcast at gmail.com and you just might be featured in a future episode. Your Best Life is a Gallery Media Group original production.